2: Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Good to be with you today as we are each and every day from three to five and you can give me a call and join the conversation at 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 you can send an email at any time to socal live at com. as we come together today lots of things in the news going on maybe maybe at the top of our minds it really ought to be what's going on in Florida with the hurricane about to hit uh, in Florida. They're saying it's going to be pretty devastating. You know, we should uh, pray that it's not, that it would slow down. I guess it's hurrying up maybe Category 2 by the time it hits uh, hits uh, the mainland, uh, but it could be even Category 3. So it's going to cause a lot of damage. They, they're saying it could be devastating to catastrophic. I'm not really sure how you measure it that way, but uh, those words mean something to people. And so we 're thinking about people who are dealing with that in Florida and uh, I hope everybody gets out okay. Have you been involved in a hurricane before? Have you lived in a part of the country where you have that i i 've never lived there i 've been there i 've seen you know the hurricane evacuation routes, signs that are posted on the freeways and other places that basically are about how to get out in case there 's a hurricane. And uh, I've been in tornado country. I spent uh, one afternoon in somebody's basement uh, waiting for the tornado to uh, come or not come. And then it was – they have the tornado channel if you live in that part of the country. It's on your cable, and it's 24-hour tornado coverage and whose farm it's touching down in now and all of those things. There's some reporter out there dealing with all of it. So it's a a different way to live, I guess, uh, than – What We're used to here in the Southland where we have earthquakes, but uh, they just happen. You get prepared for it. And when it happens, you pick it up. There's no earthquake uh, evacuation route. We don't we don't deal with that. So I guess it's uh, it's much better for uh, procrastinators. But um, the hurricane or tropical storm, I guess it was still when it hit Cuba, hit Cuba pretty hard. They lost power to eight hundred and fifty thousand people. And that got me thinking. What happens if we are all on electric cars and you have a hurricane and you got to charge them up to get out of town? How, do, how does that work? That seems like that is a problem. I wonder if we think about that. I'm not against the, you know, the the move to electric cars. I just question kind of how we're doing it. You know, if we're not really building the grid to carry it or if your car only takes you, you know, I don't know, 50 miles or 100 miles. Is that enough? Is that far away enough? I feel like that needs to be a part of the equation for different parts of the country. Um, as we we move that way, anyway, lots of different lots of different thoughts I have about that. Uh, I'm just going to say a prayer real quick about what's going on in Florida because that's what we do. God, just pray for the people in Florida. We pray for the governor and everybody who is in charge of. The disaster. We pray for their protection. We pray for um, their safety. We pray that the storm would, would slow down, that it would go away, that it wouldn't be a hurricane when it hits and not cause a bunch of damage or worse loss of life. We pray for the people of Cuba who are affected. We may not really ever understand how severe this is there, um, but we do pray for them and people in Puerto Rico who dealt with this last week and it was severe and they've been hit three or four times in the last few years there. We pray for them as well. Jesus name. Amen. All right. Just something you got to do. I think we need to uh, pay attention and pray. Lots of churches will be, of course, uh, working with the evacuation and with the recovery and all of that. And hopefully, hopefully it'll slow down. So we'll see what happens. Um, in uh, in our world today here, uh, gas prices are through the roof again. Have you noticed that? Uh, apparently it's been creeping up, but all of a sudden, I think about 20 cents a gallon just in the last two days, I feel like gas prices got down to about four dollars and ninety-five cents. That's what I was. I was filling up at four dollars and ninety-five cents. That seems to be the where it bottomed out a few weeks ago when it was going down, and I remember that that it just sort of stopped. I get it usually at a Costco that's near my house, so that works out pretty nicely. And um, I get the gas there four ninety-five. Now it's about five fifty-five. Just in a couple of weeks, and I guess we're almost six bucks a gallon again. Uh, that's pretty rough. Anya how how are you dealing with that there is a a significant impact this has on everybody's life a significant impact it has on each one of our lives every time uh the gas prices go up it seems like it happened uh, rather rather quietly uh this time like i sort of noticed but i didn't really notice what was it a year ago do you know a year ago a year ago in june the gas was $3 in La- in los angeles county And it's about the same for Orange and San Diego and other counties. Um, Last June 2021, it was three dollars and 19 cents. That's how high it has gone. And it's funny because now we're relieved when it got down to four ninety five. Now it started to go up last summer and that's when it started to skyrocket. So uh, it didn't start to skyrocket just whenever Putin invaded Ukraine. You know, that didn't help. And it certainly added to it. But uh, it started uh, last summer, so it was 319 in June, it was 441 at the end of September last year, so it had already gone up a uh, buck 30 a gallon. And uh, the highest price average and this is an average price, six dollars and46 cents that 's where it got up to this June. So uh, nearly doubled it, gas prices nearly doubled in a year, and uh, some of it, I 'm sure, has to do with whatever 's happening with the, uh, the Ukraine situation, uh, but not all of it. It is driving inflation. it is driving a lot of things, and I bring it up because I know that the people who are struggling the most with it are are a lot of a lot of people, a lot of you listening it's a huge deal it's the difference between paying you know eighty dollars to fill up your tank and one hundred and ten dollars to fill up your tank, and that thirty dollars is the difference between what you have to eat and what you don't. And I think it's just something we have to keep on our on our minds as believers. When we're thinking about uh, people, you know, I think for the average person, you deal with it. You cut something out of your budget. You can save sometimes that money by turning off your air conditioning. Right. There's certain things and you can absorb it and it doesn't feel good, but you can do it. It's not a it's a it's not a huge deal. Right. You can you can manage it. But uh, for some of us, it is everything is just that tight and you're trying not to go in debt. You're trying not to have the difficulties. Um, with all of those things. And, um, so we're also praying for you. Uh, what are you doing to, um, to try to deal with the cost? Do you have the ability even to ride a bike to work? Do you even want to, do you show up all sweaty? I've thought about that. I can't, I'm, I am, uh, I mean, I could, I mean, any places you could ride a bike if you got the time, right? Uh, you can walk to any place if you want to. Every place is a walking distance if you have the time, you know, pretty much. But you don't. You obviously can't do that. 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. As we talk about uh, inflation, and I'll reiterate again because I think it matters. I think that this is, you know, certainly it's it's an election issue, but maybe it's a it's a bigger issue than just one election it's our our attitude about how we spend money and it's our attitude about how our our government works and why do we put up with certain things the federal debt is is a major piece of it and the federal debt creates so many so many problems and so much of this inflation is related to that you know how the scripture tells us that the the debtor is slave to the lender well, that's what happens. That's what happens with our our national debt is we, we become enslaved to it in different ways. Like you're paying for it one way or another. It goes into uh, the price of food. It goes into the price of energy. It goes into the price of everything else. And if we keep just spending money and spending money that we don't really have, then we are going to continue to be in trouble. The president today, uh, and I wish he wouldn't do this because I think there is a, a much better more honest answer about the national debt. But he said it again, and and I'm going to say it because it it matters. Our national debt, by the way, is $31 trillion. That's the total debt that we have. If you spent $38 million every single day from the birth of Jesus Christ, the first Christmas, you still would not have spent the $31 trillion of our national debt. Let me just think about that for a minute. That's you can't wrap your brain around it. I read an article one time that said that the reason that we have so much trouble with the national debt is because we, can't, we can no longer get our brains around a number that big, that our, our brains are not designed to calculate numbers in the trillions or calculate the idea that for if I spent $38 million every single day, every day for 2,000 years, for 2,022 years, however you want to calculate it back to the birth of Christ, you still haven't spent what our debt is right now i mean that is extraordinary that is and it's out of control and i think part of the reason it's out of control is because we can't even we can't even think about it right now the other reason that it's out of control is because um we are a society that loves debt you know we should expect our congress to put us into debt because we all have a bunch of debt don't we uh, not all of us, but about 70 percent, statistically speaking, 70 percent listening have more credit card debt than you can handle, meaning that you are you're in trouble with your credit card debt, whether you think you are or not. And that's who we are as a society. We're sending those people to Congress who also didn't spend money well in their own personal life. And now they're not spending it well um, um, in uh, in the government. Um, here's what President Biden had to say uh, today. I think I have this clip.
3: And we're doing all this by bringing down the deficit at the same time. Hear about us being big spenders. Well, they raised the debt by $2 trillion. We've reduced the deficit my first year, 2021, by $350 billion. Okay? <clears throat> the name was some student loan forgiveness and all the cost of all these things. We're still we're on track to reduce the deficit this year, fiscal year, by more than $1 trillion.
1: All right, so there you go. It's the same line. I'm going to go through it again because I think we need to understand what's being said and what's not being said. You can give me a call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at com. Uh, one listener just sent me pictures. Uh, they were just actually listening, I guess, while they filled up with gas. And uh, here's what they filled up for. $6.39 a gallon cost $114.81 to fill up their tank. Just filled up. Uh, thanks for sending the, that message along. That is um, extraordinary. Um, and I guess maybe it isn't. Maybe it was extraordinary in June. Now we're back to where we were before. What I think is crazy is that we're relieved when it goes down to four ninety-five which was so expensive, more than more than ever before. Anyway, so Biden gives all these statistics about uh, the deficit. And I'm going to repeat this because we need to understand this because we, we're, we're spinning it a different way. In 2020, the deficit, okay, so the national debt is $31 trillion. That's how much we owe total, just the national debt. That does not include consumer debt, which is all the money we owe in our credit card and car payments and that kind of stuff. This is what the federal government or the taxpayer – you and me, oh, $3.1 trillion. the deficit is, is each year. The deficit is how far, how far we're short each year, okay? So if, if you might have a budget for your household of $50,000 a year for your rent and food and everything else, but if you spent $55,000 last year, then you had a $5,000 deficit, okay? You overspent by 5000 In the year 2020, we overspent by $3.1 trillion, by far the greatest deficit we ever had. Uh, now, the reason for that is because of the covid spending. The reason it was so far out of whack is because of all the remember all the money you got. They sent um, refund checks to all of us. You got thousands of dollars from the federal government or from the taxpayer. See, thousands of dollars that you end up paying back eventually. So you got money in advance and it might have been necessary. Most people think, you know what, because of the shutdowns and everything, if you're going to shut down the economy, people are going to have to have money. They got to pay the rent. They got to pay their bills. We spent all that money. There were all kinds of government loans for businesses and the Paycheck Protection Plan, PPP loan, all of those different things. OK, three point one trillion dollars. We just blew the, the deficit out of the water. So when President Biden says in my first year of office, we reduced the deficit by three hundred and fifty billion dollars. Uh, that's correct, because in 2021, it was the federal deficit was $2.8 trillion. So it went from 3.1 to $2.8 trillion. That's where he gets the $350 billion. That's true. In 2021, we were still spending a lot of money on the COVID. One of these rounds of checks that you got uh, came from the Biden administration, didn't come from the Trump administration. Remember when uh, this made me laugh. Whenever they, we got our first checks in the mail, there was a controversy from Donald Trump because that's surprising. That's something he did. Created controversy. Anyway, the the controversy was is first he wanted to sign the check and they said, no, you can't personally sign the check. You don't have that. You don't have signature authority. I guess they don't put the president on the, the bank card at the Fed. Um, so instead, you got a letter from President Trump and the, the letter said this check is coming from President Trump and the big signature on there. And everybody made fun of uh, Trump for that and criticized him for that. But whenever Biden did it, he did the same thing. So it's probably now regular routine that whenever the government gives you money, whoever the president is is going to take credit for it. Okay, that's what happens. All right, so are you with me? So the president, President Biden claims that in his first year in office, he reduced the deficit by $350 or 300- $350. It's about, that's probably correct. $350 billion to 2.8 it's true in the 2022 this year's deficit which ends this month is projected to be around a trillion dollars all right um and uh he's he's making the point that this year alone they've reduced the deficit another 1.5 or 1.8 trillion dollars that number is true and the deficit's around a trillion dollars but here's what's not being said and this is what drives me crazy What was the 2019 federal budget deficit? You know what it was? It was $984 billion, almost a trillion dollars. So the reality is this, government government overspending this year is the same as it was before COVID. See, the increase in 2020 and 2021 is mostly COVID-related spending. We're not spending that anymore because the COVID is mostly over. And so now we're back to where we were before. See, what bugs me is that this really is a net zero for the Biden administration. I think he could say, I think he could come out and say, hey, you know, we have had to have these terrible deficits because of all that spending we did for covid. But we've brought things back down to where they were before. I think you could spin that in a good way. I think he could say, see, if I were president, I guess I would I would want to say this because I think it's more honest to say, hey, we're right back to where we were before. Trillion dollar deficit is still um, something that's unacceptable. But at least we didn't do what governments usually do and just keep spending the money once it's in the budget. He could say that. I think that would be positive. I think it would be it would be accurate. Um, instead, he keeps saying this.
3: And we're doing all this by bringing down the deficit at the same time here about us being big spenders. Well, they raise the debt by two trillion dollars. We've reduced the deficit my first year, 2021, by three hundred and fifty billion dollars. Okay? So
1: See, he's he. He's saying we're not big spenders. Yes, you are. You're just as big a spender as the, the administration before you when you take out COVID. It's not really right. What he should be saying is we're not spending the COVID money anymore. We're back to where we were. And it was a trillion dollars in 2019, Butch, by the way, is bad that we're overspending by a trillion dollars a year. Um, that, by the way, is over a million dollars a day every day from the birth of Christ. That's how much money that is every year. In 2018 what was the federal deficit? You know what it was 779 billion. Quite a bit less in 2017 what was the federal deficit? 665 billion. Our government spending is out of control. That's what's driving the inflation. That is the thing that is making things worse and when our government is bright saying they're not big spenders, that's not true. It's they're it's they are spending so much money, your money, your kids money. It's not it's, it's not imaginary money. It's not the government can just create money. The reason there is inflation is that the economy has to do something with all of this extra money that suddenly is in the pool. And what it has to do is raise the price of goods and services to match the amount of money that is in the pool. Are you, are you with me? I think it's important that we understand this because I cannot stand a couple things. I can't stand the spin that we're getting right now on the budget and I don't have and it's both sides, okay? So the Democrats are in charge now and they're responsible for all of it, and I get it, and the President Biden's full of it with what he's saying here. And he's saying it for political reasons, and there's an election coming up, and he's going to get clobbered most likely. Not as bad as maybe they thought, but that's that's possible. But don't excuse the Republicans, when they were in charge, they were still spending like crazy. The federal budget deficit has doubled every or the debt has doubled every eight years over the past 20 years. And both sides are doing it. It's out of control. We as the people, I think, need to be able to to acknowledge this and to say enough. But at the same time, we're going to have to realize that we are the problem because what's happening is we become the temporary, we have temporary gain when the government does this because we benefit from a program that they're offering or we benefit from the checks that they're handing out, which is what they're doing, which, by the way, what next week or the week after, you'll be getting $1,000 from Governor Newsom. And uh, at least it's in the form of really a tax rebate, gas tax rebate to try to be some kind of relief. But he could have done that four months ago, Uh, but it wouldn't be politically expedient. He's going to do it right now to remind you to vote for him. So you're going to get that check right about the time you get your ballot in the mail. Maybe they will come in the same envelope. That's what they should do. (laughs) They should send you the governor should send the your ballot in the mail with a letter from him saying, look, I'm giving you a thousand dollars and here's your ballot. By the way, I'm on the governor thing. Uh, vote for me. Um, it's almost that bad. That's that's where we that's where we are. As citizens, friends, we cannot stand for this kind of thing from either party. We've got to ask. We've got to ask our tell. We have to tell our representatives to stop. But we have to be willing to accept the cuts, and that's the problem, right? I mean, if they if they cut spending, now if we're disciplined, we realize something. We're paying through the nose. That thousand dollars you're getting you're paying that average expenses that you have in your family is over six hundred dollars more a month than it was last year because of the inflation so that thousand dollars you're paying you're getting it back but you've already paid it see what's happening is that we don't seem to understand is as we keep spending money in this way as the government keeps spending money it doesn't have we end up paying for it as taxpayers through either increased taxes or we pay for it through inflation and bringing it back to where this needs to go. Inflation hurts the poorest among us more than anybody else. As believers, if you're a Christian, you have to be concerned about what really happens with people and policies matter. And the spending policies that our government has are hurting people who are the poorest. Whenever we have, you know, everybody says tax the rich. Okay, go ahead and tax the rich. You go ahead and do that. But then The same people will often tax energy and they'll throw a tax on your phone bill or they'll throw a tax on your cable bill or your electric bill. Everybody pays that or the gas. A buck fifty a gallon is what you're paying in gas taxes in California. Who does that hurt? See, that's a tax on the poor. It's a tax on the poor. It's a tax on the poorest among us because that's who it hurts the most. We just have to be aware of that, my friends. We have to be aware of that. All right, I'm going to take a break. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. When we come back, I'm going to change the subject, and I'm going to ask this question. I've got an example for you. I'm going to ask you, is it bullying? And have you ever been bullied, or maybe you've been the bully is uh, this been a part of your life? It's a big part of lots of people's lives, but I wonder how often we say something is bullying and uh, it's really true or whether we just say it and it's really not. Uh, we'll get to that as soon as we come back. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues.
2: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213 213-
1: Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Tuesday afternoon. I hope that you're enjoying your day. We opened up by uh, talking about the hurricane in Florida and what's coming. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different uh, theories out there for uh, climate change and uh, whether or not it is going to increase hurricanes. We keep saying – I keep hearing, you know, every year it seems like there are going to be more hurricanes – But actually, the studies say that there's been less, there's been 13 percent less hurricanes uh, since we've been talking about this kind of climate change than before. So I'm not really sure everybody knows where it's coming from. Um, There's a couple of things I wanted to mention. I mentioned, if you if you listen to our station earlier, I I mentioned that uh, President Biden had a uh, comment Uh, about vaccines, and I want to play it, uh, but I I got something wrong. I think it's really important that we take a look at what's being said and we put it in context, because this statement from President Biden is all over the place in the social media today. Uh, Here's what it is.
3: Let me be clear. If you're in a state where hurricanes often strike, like Florida or the Gulf Coast or into Texas, a vital part of preparing for hurricane season is to get vaccinated now. Everything is more complicated if you're not vaccinated in a hurricane or a natural disaster hits.
1: All right. So now that that statement, you might be seeing it as if that is today. He did not say that today. All right. It's important. He said that a year ago. Okay. and it's a little bit out there a year ago that the best way to get prepared for evacuation is is a vaccine. But a year ago, if you remember, you know, it was in the same speech as when he said the pandemic is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And there was all this pressure to get vaccinated. And the idea was, if you're trying to escape the hurricane or whatever, that uh, if you end up in a shelter, maybe they're going to kick you out if you're not vaccinated. Right. I mean, there was all that. It was a weird time. That was only a year ago that we were in the, in the delves of that. But I want to be honest about the fact that if you saw that, as I did, uh, it was a year ago. So we always have to put things in context. Now, I tell you that so I can tell you this. There's another one that's going around that, I'll admit, it made me laugh out loud. I'm going to play it for you. But there is a context to this also. And I've got really sort of two things that I want to bring up with us. One is, for those of us who listen to to this show in our audience, we together, I think, can be a lot more sophisticated with some of the stuff that goes around and do our best to be the truth tellers. We want to have some fun. There's certainly things that we believe as Christians that are really important. There's some things that we can disagree on. That's fine. But we want to be truthful as much as possible. So there's another clip that's going around today, and it's from a radio station in New Zealand where the interviewer is interviewing somebody who is a a 16-year-old. The 16-year-old is is one of these uh, young women who's been hired to organize you know, hired by a uh, a climate group to organize walkouts with students okay and they're protesting against uh climate change and uh, so that's what's going on here so the climate activist the young girl her name is Izzy Cook and the interviewer is Heather Duplessis Allen I think is how you say her name Heather Duplessis Allen or she goes by HDPA which I can understand uh well, you might do that if your name was that long um, now, I got a kick out of this because the, the laugh from the interviewer is sort of contagious. But I want to get into what's behind this just to make it clear. And you'll probably see this on your social media if you haven't already. So the interview is going on with a climate activist who is telling people to not go to places like Fiji by plane so that they can save the planet.
4: For example, So we would have to apply to have like approved events to be able to fly for. Well, that's one thing that you could look at doing. Am I allowed to go to Fiji? Is that necessary? In the current climate crisis, I don't think that that's necessary. When was the last time you were on a plane? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe a few months ago, to be honest. Where'd you go? Fiji. Izzy! (laughs) Izzy! Don't you care about the climate, Izzy? Of course, I care about the climate. Not enough. You went. To- <laughs> <laughs> you went to Fiji. <laughs> Izzy, come on, mice. Are you serious?
1: Okay, so she starts laughing. I'm just—I'm cracking up mostly at this person's laugh. It's just one of these these laughs, okay? Um, but I—I I am thinking, man. You know, if you're—I—and I feel bad for these kids who get roped into these things in the politics. Okay, remember what was her name? Uh... I can't remember her name, but she was the one who was yelling at all of us for tearing down her future um, all those years. And you know, I think I think we're exploiting the kids by bringing them into these political arguments. So I, that's in the back of my mind. But I started I started hearing this laugh, and I was enjoying it. That's why it's going viral, really. Yes, and it continues with this.
0: <laughs> Are you serious? Is he? No, well, it's
4: Are pretty you, it is pretty ironic, but to be honest, it's not really a trip that I wanted to go on, but I can't really get out of it because Why'd you my parents go? To go? Why'd you because go? My parents wanted to go. Is I didn't he? want to go. How are you embarrassed that your parents did that to the planet and then forced you to do it as well? Of course I'm not embarrassed. Did you have did a you terrible visit? time? Not really. I didn't have. To <laughs> I'm sorry, mate.
2: Listen, you're such a champion. I think you've got a brilliant future ahead of you and and
4: I Are you doing another strike soon? Yeah, we'll we'll look to. Good. I will I will we'll talk to you again. Like <laughs> can you back on the
1: show? All right. So there it is. It's it's going everywhere and you're probably laughing I'm laughing at at her laughing. Now here's the thing. And you have to, I think, be a little, be disciplined. I try to do this and I get it wrong sometimes, but most of the time I, you got to dig in and go, okay, is this the thing? So it turns out that Heather DuPlessis Allen, the interviewer, looked at Izzy Cooks, who was the young girl's Instagram beforehand and already knew before that interview that she had gone to Fiji. And so she was kind of trapped into it. So she already knew this. Um, And I'm wondering, is that ethical or 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 what? Yes, you're calling somebody out on some hypocrisy, but she's 16 years old. She doesn't really have a lot of, you know, I think she's being used um, in a lot of these areas. But Izzy's mom wrote a really nasty letter and accused the interviewer of bullying. And it was a whole letter about bullying and that you've bullied my daughter and you should never bully my daughter. And so the debate that's going on in New Zealand and places where they heard this and probably coming here because you're going to hear this clip. But eventually it's going to come out that says, oh, the interviewer knew about it, is whether or not this is bullying or whether or not if you're 16, whatever age you are, and you want to get involved in this conversation, that you better be prepared for being called out if you've been hypocritical one way or the other. In her case, I don't know if she is hypocritical. Let me ask you this. Is it bullying when you when you hear all of this together? Do you respond and go, oh, well, it's not as funny now as I thought because uh, of that? Or do you go, well, you have it coming if you're going to be the spokesperson? How does this play out? And have you ever been bullied? I I showed this to somebody. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Have you been on the side of being bullied in school, like for real bullied? Um, Or have you been the bully and you feel bad about it? What was that like? How did you get through it? Because I think a lot of kids are bullied. I do worry about these kids who I think are being bullied into these roles of taking a political role and probably getting paid and you get to have, you know, exposure and whatever you think is important. You know, maybe your Instagram blows up or something. I think that there might be bullying on all sides here. Like, why are we doing this to kids? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, my kids ask me a lot about bullies, and they keep asking me, and I keep wanting to know, are you getting bullied at school? Why are you asking me this? Like, And I think it's because there's a conversation that happens in the classroom today about bullying that happens more often uh, than it used to. Um, Does this happen regularly? Are kids still being thrown in the trash can? Or the person I was talking to today said, yes, I was, I literally was strapped to the the flagpole and hoisted up by my underwear. And, you know, I thought this was just in movies. He said, nope, I was literally bullied. He said, I was a tiny scrawny kid thrown in the, in the dumpster and had my head pushed in the toilet um, and uh, all of those terrible, terrible things. Uh, that were going on. Um, it's kind of awful. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven 528 2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. I don't remember any serious bullying that I was the recipient of. Um, the funny thing that comes to my mind is there was a couple of guys who were older than me in my grade school who for one, whatever reason they always picked on me and I didn't really get it and I didn't like them and I would try to avoid them at all costs and I was in fifth or sixth grade and they were in eighth grade I think. And I don't know why they, they picked on me and they just made, and I never understood it. But one time we were on the soccer field, I was on the soccer team and in that school you could be on the same team, you know, fifth through eighth grade, there was only one team. And so I was, uh, I don't know if I was, I was either fifth or sixth grade. I don't remember. And they were eighth grade, I think. And one of them said, started calling, my name is Scott Furrow, in case you didn't realize F-U-R-R-O-W. And he started calling me ferocious. And he thought it was mean, and his buddy, who always used to tease me, started cracking up and mocking me, calling me ferocious. But the greatest thing is that it backfired on them. That nickname stuck. I still use that today. And uh, I thought it was awesome. That was, that was like a, a bullying experience I had that, that got turned around. I remember it, at first I thought it kind of felt bad, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. Actually, uh, that is okay. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened to those guys or whatever happened with that, but uh, sometimes that happens. But I think some people go through some terrible things. And uh, I hope that's not happening to you or your kids, but I know that it goes on. And uh, I'm, so I'm curious about it. If you've got some thoughts or comment, give me a call, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We'll get back for your calls and uh, Southern California Live as we continue. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues.
2: Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. We're talking about bullying. And uh, if you've got to a comment about that, if you experienced that, or maybe you were the bully... You can give us a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Sandra in Anaheim, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Sandra. How are you? I'm good. How are you today?
4: I'm well. I'm well. I, well, I grew up in the 70s, and it was a different time back there. And I was bullied. I was bullied Mm. at school, and I was bullied at home. Because um, the girl who bullied me um, lived three houses down, so and Mm. we went to the same school. I was in fourth grade and she was in eighth grade. So um, you could tell you you could say she tormented me.
1: Yeah, what did she do? uh, If you're comfortable enough to say. um,
4: Well, you know, um, like. She would beat me up, hmm. um, she would, um, you know, push me around, pull my hair, you know, push me at school, pull my hair, yeah. um, stuff like that at school, you know. Um, and then at home, it would be a different story, I would just basically stay inside, I wouldn't go out.
1: Kept you in your house. Um, until yeah.
4: one day my dad said, you know what, you need to defend yourself. Yeah. So one day I got the courage, and remember, this was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Teachers back then didn't do anything. Um, right. You know, the police didn't do anything. It, it was a different time. And I ended up beating her up and beating up her brother. <laughs> and her was brother. Was that, was
1: that just for good yes, measure, or was he a brother. part of it?
4: He was a part of it. Okay. He was a part of it. So I ended up beating both of them up, and they left me alone.
1: And they left you alone. You know... Uh, and, they, uh,
4: yeah. and they stopped bullying me.
1: They did. Yeah. And uh, so all these yeah. years these years later, do you still know this person?
4: Um, believe it or not, he asked me to go to prom with him. I was his prom date.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, all right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Pretty funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, um, you know, um, it was a different time back then. Now, you know, would I tell my children? I mean, I don't know. I think as things as bad, uh, I think I would tell my children to defend themselves.
1: Yeah. You know, I think one way or another, your story is an example of why you stand up to bullies. Uh, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you have to beat them up. There are lots of ways to do right. that. No, right?
4: there's different ways of doing that. Yeah. There's different ways of doing that. Yeah, but you... you yeah,
1: yeah. And and the thing is, that's but, interesting about it is it's... The odd thing is if you do it in a way... Like in your way, you beat them up, okay. Um, but when you stand up to bullies, um, sometimes there is a restorative effect where somehow you become exactly. friends later.
4: Yeah, Exactly. That's you why I a, asked you, you if you knew this
1: person because sometimes that yeah. that turns out. It, it, exactly. Yeah.
4: Exactly. Yeah. So it you know, it worked out um and you know, nowadays it's 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 a different I, I really do it's hard. I don't have children, but I hear um I'm a teacher. Mm. So I hear stories, yeah. you know. Uh, Um, you know, I do tell them I was bullied, um, you know, so those that do get bullied, I do have, you know, and I tell them, tell your parents, you need to tell your parents, your parents need to tell the principal. And I do tell the principal, I talk to the principal. So I do, you know,
1: what are um, you allowed to do? Are you allowed to, are you or the principal allowed to, uh, get involved?
4: Um, well, my job is, as soon as I find out, I, I, you know, I'll, if I write a, let's say, a referral or mm-hmm. whatever, and I notify the principal. After that, it's the principal's job. Okay. After that, it's the principal's job. It's out of my hands. All right. But I have, you know, I notify the parent. Uh, you know, I, I don't notify the parents, I notify the principal.
1: And that's what you're instructed to do.
4: That's what I'm instructed to do. Yeah. So you know, a lot of times when they say, oh, the teacher doesn't do anything, well, because that's what we are instructed to do.
1: That's something good, I think, for people to know, because I hear that a lot. Well, the teacher doesn't do anything. Maybe the teacher's not allowed. Right. Uh, you exactly. Know, in our day, I feel teachers like...
4: Teachers aren't allowed to do a lot of things,
1: right. by the way. Right. So, My sister you know? was a teacher for a mm-hmm. while, and uh, she had a pretty a class where people, uh, there were some pretty serious bullies punching in the face, and she wasn't allowed really to do anything disciplinary, and uh, she told one kid who just had this habit of just sucker punching other kids right in the face that if you do that again, he was going to get whatever punishment she was allowed, which was you're going to sit in the corner or you're going to have detention or something. And she told me that the kid looked at her and went, it's totally worth it, and punched the kid right in front of her, and all she was allowed to do, and not allowed to tell the parents, not allowed to uh, bring it to the parents. Yeah. That's changed. I feel like in our day, uh, the teachers would have gotten involved.
4: Oh, yeah. Our day, you know, it was different. Yeah. It was, you know.
1: Yeah, of course, we we got swats. I got swatted a couple times uh, in school. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's certainly different.
4: My Uh, year was the last time that we were able to get, you know.
1: Yeah, we're uh, probably the same generation generation. because that that ended at some point, I think, while I was still in school. All right, Sandra, yeah, thank you for, for your sure. call and for your story. Well, Appreciate you that, that very, very much.
4: Thank-
1: it is a, it's a hard thing, and how do you teach your kids? I do think you have to teach your kids to stand up to bullies. And, you know, when you study, when Jesus talks about turning the other cheek, that whole passage really is about standing up to bullies and how to do it effectively. You know, that you are, you're putting the emphasis on the wrongdoing on that other person. Um, that's what that means. It doesn't mean don't defend yourself and it doesn't mean, you know, don't, you know, if somebody hits you, there's, you know, that you can't defend yourself and all of that. It takes a certain situation where there is somebody who is bullying you either because they're just a bad person or they're bullying you in court or they're bullying you because they're the government and they have the the ability to do that. And, if you handle it right, you actually can bring sort of conviction upon that person who 's doing the bullying um, and often even restoration happens now. Sometimes that person has just so many problems right if you are uh, if you are the bully and you 're the one who 's doing this you 're doing it because you 've got problems right you there 's something wrong going on in your life i don 't think we understand this while we 're kids it 's a profound thing I think when we get older and we start to realize the troubles that some of our friends were going through at home that we didn't really understand or even know about. That was something that shocked me. I think once I started to get to know some people that I went to school with later in life and had no idea. One time I was just scrolling through uh, Facebook and a friend who I don't interact with very often, but I went to grade school and high school with him. So I grew up with him and he was a pretty good friend. He posted a video. It was so rare. And he was telling the story of how after school Every day, he was just getting the tar beat out of him by somebody, and I had no idea. And the wild thing was, I'm watching this video, and in the video, he actually says, nobody knew about it, and then he said, even Scott Furrow didn't know about it. I don't know why he felt like he needed to even use my name there, but I think it's because we, we were friends. And he's right. I had no idea. And his story was that his mom, for whatever reason, would pick him up really late. Maybe she was getting off work late, or, and he was just always there alone. And this other kid's mom was there after school alone, and he was just tormented. And this is a big kid, too. Uh, it happens. I think that if uh, there's a couple of lessons here with this, one is, number one, if you're being bullied, you got to stand up to it. It doesn't mean that you bully back necessarily, or, or, and it doesn't mean that you fight back in a way that's going to be criminal or escalate the situation, but you do have to stand up. My dad always taught me uh, to punch back. And, you know, it is um, something I think that when we see these stories that are are pretty harsh today, and a lot of it happens online, you got to tell people. You have to get people involved. And we need to be a culture that doesn't put up with that. Um, I think we're a culture that is struggling with many things in raising kids today and this is the reason it's because as adults we get to be adults and we don't want to handle it because it makes us feel bad and then it becomes a selfish thing and i think the way that gets played out is in what's happening with a lot of other issues in our society today where where kids are being harmed where kids are being taught things that are wrong where we uh, in the next hour, in fact, we'll talk about uh, the Proposition One and the how that is going to, if it gets passed, would legalize late-term abortions in California for any reason. And I, and the polls say that seventy percent of Californians don't agree with that. So why on earth would we? Uh, almost eighty percent, in fact, eighty percent. So why would we not be outraged by that? Is there a part of us as a culture that just can't stand up? to the wrong thing anymore. That has to end. We have to be able to stand up for what is true and what is right and what doesn't bring harm. And that's a big piece of it. I think for the other, you know, the other thing about learning is in, in all of this is that, uh, number one, people are doing things that are going through stuff that we don't know. Number two, the other thing is that it can be restorative. That the interesting thing about standing up to a bully, whatever that means is that often that bully gets better. That bully stops bullying. That doesn't always happen, but often it does. Sometimes, you know, they just go on to bully the next, you know, kid. But adults have bullies too. You might work with a bully. There might be bullies that uh, you interact with on a regular basis. Um, You know, as adults, there is a time and a way to stand up to that person. So either they get whatever punishment they deserve or – they are able to take a look at themselves and go, I shouldn't be doing this. It's remarkable how standing up to somebody who is a bully and standing up for what is right, for what is just, actually makes a big difference. In your life, whatever it is, you're probably thinking of a cer- a certain person or a situation where this is the case. Pray about it, and maybe God's calling you to do something. Uh, to not do something violent, okay? Not do something that creates, that's a crime in any way, but something that is loving, but strong and truthful and full of grace. That's how we respond, and it can it can make a big difference. All right, when we get back, we'll talk about uh, Proposition 1 and some other things. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues.